to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Tom Swift and His Airship by Victor Appleton. Previously on Tom Swift and His Airship, in Chapter 4, Tom and Mr. Sharp got the airship test launched, and they were currently high up in the air. Chapter 5, Colliding with a Tower. All right, I haven't even started reading this, and already this sounds ominous. Let's see what happens. She seems to work, observed Tom, looking from where he was stationed near some electrical switches toward Mr. Sharp. Of course she does, replied the aeronaut. I knew it would, but I wasn't sure, so sure that it wouldn't scoot along in this fashion. We're making pretty good speed, but we'll do better when the motor gets to running smoother. How high up are we? asked Tom. The balloonist gl glanced at several gauges near the steering wheel. A little short of 3,000 feet, he answered. Do you want to go higher? No, no, no I, I, I guess not, was Tom's answer. He halted over the works, and his breath came in gasps. Don't get alarmed, called Mr. Sharp quickly, noting that his companion was in distress because of the high altitude. That always happens to persons who go into the thin air for the first time, just as if you had climbed a high mountain. Breathe as slowly as you can and swallow frequently. That will relieve the pressure on your eardrums. I'll send the ship lower. Tom did as he had, was advised, and the aeronaut, deflecting the rudder, sent the red cloud on a downward slant. Tom at once felt relieved, both because the actions of swallowing equalized the pressure on the eardrums and because the airship was soon in a more dense atmosphere, more like that of the earth. "'How you doing now?' asked the man of the lad, as the craft was again on an even keel. Uh, "'All right,' replied Tom briskly. I, "'I didn't know what ailed me at first. "'I was troubled the same way when I first went up in a balloon,' commented Mr. Sharp. We'll run along for a few miles at an elevation of about 500 feet, and then we'll go within 100 feet of the earth and see how the red cloud behaves under different conditions. Take a look below and see what you think of it. Tom looked low, though one of the several plate, or through one of the several plate glass windows in the floor of the car. He gave a gasp of astonishment. Why, we're right over Lake Carlopa, he gasped. Of course, admitted Mr. Sharp with a laugh, and I'm glad to say that we're better off than when I was last in the area over this same body of water. And he could scarcely repress a shudder at the thought of his perilous position in the blazing balloon, as related in detail in Tom Swift and his motorboat. The lake was spread out below the navigators of the air like some mirror of silver in a setting of green fields. Tom could see a winding river that flowed into the lake, and he noted towns, villages, and even distant cities interspersed here and there with broad farms or patches of woodlands, like a bird's-eye view of a stretch of country. "'This is great!' he exclaimed with enthusiasm. "'I wouldn't miss this for the world!' "'Oh, you haven't begun to see things yet,' replied Mr. Sharp. "'Wait until we take a long trip, which we'll do soon, as this ship is behaving much better than I dared to hope.' Well, we're 500 feet high now, and I'll run along at that elevation for a while. Objects on the earth became more distinct now, and Tom could observe excited throngs running along and pointing upward. They were several miles from Shopton, and the machinery was running smoothly, the motor with its many cylinders purring like a big cat. 
We could have lunch if we'd brought anything along to eat, observed Tom. Yes, assented his companion, but I think we'll go back now. Your, your father may be anxious. Uh, just come here, Tom, and I'll show you how to steer. I'm going down a short distance. He depressed the rudder, and the red cloud shot earthward. Then, as the airship was turned about, the young inventor was allowed to try his hand at managing it. He said afterward that it was like guiding a fleecy cloud. Pointer straight for Shopton, uh, counseled uh, Mr. Sharp, when he had explained the various wheels and levers to the lad. Straight she is, answered the lad, imitating a sailor's reply. Oh, but this is great. It beats even my motorcycle. It goes considerably faster at all events, remarked Mr. Sharp. Keep her steady now while I take a look at the engine. I want to make sure it doesn't run hot. He went aft, where all the machinery in the car was located, and Tom was left alone in the small pilot house. He felt a thrill as he looked down at the earth beneath him and saw the crowds of wonder-gazers pointing at the great red airship flying high over their heads. Rapidly, the open field slipped along, giving place to a large city. Roxmond, murmured Tom as he noted it. We're about 50 miles from home, but we'll soon be back in the shed at this rate. We certainly are slipping along. 150 feet elevation, he went on as he looked at the gauge. I wonder if I'll ever get used to going several miles up in the air. Now, I wonder, oh, they must be talking about distance, not height, because he definitely wasn't several miles high, clearly. He shifted the rudder a bit to go to the left. The red cloud obeyed promptly, but the next instant something snapped. Tom, with a startled air, looked around. He could see nothing wrong, but a moment later, the airship dipped suddenly towards the earth. Then it seemed to increase its forward speed, and a few seconds later was rushing straight at a tall ornamental tower that rose from one of the corner of a large building. Mr. Sharp! Mr. Sharp! cried the lad. Something's happened. We're heading for that tower. Steer to one side, called the balloonist. Tom tried, but found that the helm had become jammed. The horizontal rudder would not work, and the craft was rushing nearer and nearer every minute to the pile of brick and mortar. We're going to have a collision, shouted Tom. Better shut off the power. The two propellers were whirling around so swiftly that they looked like blurs of light. Mr. Sharp came rushing forward, and Tom relinquished the steering wheel to him. In vain did the aeronaut try to change the course of the airship. Then, with a shout to Tom to disconnect the electric switch, the man turned off the power from the motor. But it was too late. Straight at the tower rushed the red cloud, and a moment later had hit it a glancing blow, smashing the forward propeller and breaking off both blades. The nose of the aluminum gas container knocked off a few bricks from the tower, and then the ship losing way slowly settled to the flat roof of the building. We're smashed! cried Tom with something like despair in his voice. That's nothing. Don't worry. It, it, it might be worse. Not, not the first time I've had an accident. It's only one propeller and I, I can easily make another one, said Mr. Sharp in his quick, jerky sentences. He had allowed some of the gas to escape from the container, making the ship less buoyant so that it remained on the roof. The aeronaut and Tom looked from the windows of the car to note if any further damage had been done. They were just congratulating themselves that the rudder marked the extent when, from a scuttle in the roof, there came a procession of young ladies led by an elderly matron wearing spectacles and having a very 
determined, bristling air. "'Well, I must say, this is a very unceremonious proceeding,' exclaimed the spectacled woman. "'Pray, gentlemen, to what are we indebted for this honor? "'It was an accident, ma'am,' replied Mr. Sharp, removing his hat and bowing. "'A mere accident.' Hope. I suppose it was an accident that the tower of this building was damaged, and if not absolutely loosened at the foundations, you will have to pay the damages. Then turning and seeing about two score of young ladies behind her on the flat roof, each young lady eyeing with astonishment, not unmixed with admiration, the airship, the elderly one added, Pupils, to your rooms at once. How dare you leave without permission? "'Oh, Miss Perkman!' exclaimed a voice at the sound of which Tom started. "'Mayn't we see the airship? It will be useful in our natural philosophy study.' Tom looked at the young lady who had spoken. "'Mary Nestor!' he exclaimed. "'Tom! I, I mean, Mr. Swift!' she rejoined. "'How in the world did you get here?' "'I was going to ask you the same question,' retorted the lad. "'We flew here.' "'Young ladies, silence!' cried Miss Perkman, who was evidently the principal of the school. "'The idea of any one of you daring to speak to these these persons without my permission, and, and without an introduction, I shall make them pay heavily for damaging my seminary,' she added, as she strode toward Mr. Sharp, who by this time was out of the car. "'To your rooms at once!' Miss Perkman ordered again, but not a young lady moved. The airship was too much of an attraction for them. End of chapter 5. Thank you for joining us on Storytime with Kurt. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, simply go to anchor.fm slash storytimewithkurt or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us if you like. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at VO by Kurt. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, feel free to send an email to Kurt at storytimewithkurt.com. See you next time.